One commentator uh, says this that I'll read to you and then I'll explain. He says, uh, he gives these headlines from a, uh, a study of a book. Family feud leaves 69 brothers dead. Powerful government leader caught in a love nest. Gang rape leads to victims' death and dismemberment. Girl at party kidnapped and forced to marry strangers. Woman judge says travelers no longer safe on highways. Was this Fox News? <laughs> CNN? No, this was a commentator who was introducing the book of Judges. Isn't that interesting? Uh, one thing again, you know, as C.S. Lewis said about the Bible, he said as he read the Bible, it's peculiar honesty about strange things convinced him that it just had to be true. And the book of Judges is a very interesting book that does not, uh, does not color uh, anything out. It's pretty vivid. Let, let's review real quick as your finding will be in Judges 1 to 9. That we believe God used Samuel to write this book, and it is the story of 15 judges. A, judges, a judge was basically a leader uh, of the people of Israel. During the time between Joshua's death and uh, when Saul was appointed the king of the country, it was probably about 1,370 years before Christ when it began, and it was about a 300-year period, ran to about uh, 1,047 B.C., and it describes seven periods of these judges ruling. Obviously, there's overlap in the judges uh, ruling. But, but it describes, and I said this last week in a different way, basically a cycle of sin, of servitude or punishment, of begging God for mercy, and then deliverance. And this happens over and over and over again in this book. Chapter 1, and we're going to look tonight about... A great subject. Next week we're going to look at the negative of this. But what does it mean for God to be with you? When you hear that phrase, and if you've been around church, you've heard that phrase. What does it mean for God to be with you? Now let me go ahead and tell you this evening. There's nothing more important for your life than, than God being with you. So this is only... <laughs> This is only like important to the 150th degree of everything that you are about as a person and family as corporately. Now, you, now, we pause and we say, wait a second, isn't God always with us as Christians? Isn't God always with us? Hebrews 13, 5 is a little verse I love. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. But this last part is what means so much to me because God has said, never will I leave you. And never will I forsake you. John 14, Jesus says one of the reasons the Holy Spirit was coming was to leave us not as orphans, is that God would always be with us. Yes, the truth theologically is that God is our Father, the Holy Spirit living in us will always be with us. Jesus will always be our Savior. But there is a theological and a, a very applicable difference in God. Being with us in the sense that a parent is always a parent and then God's favor and hand being with us. What does it mean? In verse 19, it says, The Lord was with the men of Judah. They took possession of the hill country, but they were unable to drive the people from the plains because of the, they had iron chariots. We'll see that next week. But the first part, the Lord was with them. In verse 22, Now the house of Joseph attacked Bethel and the Lord was with 
with them. There is a difference in God being in you and God never leaving you as your father and God being with you in a, in a real spiritual sense. What does it mean when we say that we need God to be with us, with our church, with our family, with your life? What does it mean? I'm going to try to define it in three ways. Number one, it means God's hand is on your life. It means God's hand is on your family. It means God's hand is on your church. When I was about nine or ten, my parents went through this time. They were trying to culture me. And as you see, the experiment didn't go well. But they knew that I, I liked sports, but they, 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 I had took piano lessons for two years. That did not go well. In fact, in the house we lived in at that time... There were red marks next to the piano, and a stranger would not have known what they were, but my mother wore red house shoes. And as she would practice with me in the piano, and I would misbehave and, and argue with her, she would, this was back in the day when this was legal, she would spank me with those red house shoes. Well, I would move, and oftentimes she would scar the wall with the red house shoes. So the piano lessons for two years didn't work. Then, then I took art lessons for about 10 weeks. At least in, in the weight room, there is an, a, a, a painting that's very pretty with my name on it. Now, I'm going to tell you, that, that has my name. It also should have the art teacher's name because the, the last thing we did in the class, and, and obviously an art teacher wants the, t- the kids to be successful, correct? And, and she, was very, she was a very good teacher. I was just an extremely poor student. But what she did, this, this really, it's a pretty painting that I did with my name on it, but, but what's left out is, is that her hand was on my hand a whole lot. Does that make sense? And so when we did this beautiful, beautiful apple. Chris maybe drew a very goofy looking uh, uh, figure and then she really made it pretty and it would not have been near as nice if God, if her hand had not have been on my hand. You see, when, it's, when we talk about God being with you, we're talking about God's beautiful, creative, wonderful hand being on you. Being able to take what you can do in a rough way and do something beautiful with it. Does that make sense? So God's hand, God being with you means God's hand is with you. And secondly, it means God's power is with you. It means God's power. Now, we're in, in Judges 1, but we're going to go back tonight to Joshua. Joshua 23, because Joshua and Judges tie in so in, uh, intrinsically they do. So you can flip back or you can follow on the screen. Ju- Judges 23.10, it says, One of you routes a thousand. Read this out loud with me. One of you routes a thousand because... The Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. God with me means God's power is with me. I'm not doing it on my own. Now, if you have little kids or you growing up as a little kid, whether it's golf or baseball or softball, when the child is little enough, a lot of times the parent or the coach will come and stand behind the kid, Right? And they'll put their hands on the bat or the golf club with them. And they will work through and they will swing. You, you know what I'm talking about? Y'all have done this, haven't you? have seen it done. And, and Kenny, when you're standing behind your daughter when she was five and you're swinging that bat with her, the ball goes a lot farther, doesn't it? And you hit it every single time. You see... God's with us means God's power is with us. It means you're, you've got to do your part, but the power in the hand of God is working with you. One routes a thousand, not because they are strong, but because God is with them. It's the power of God. And, and the last thing, it, it means that, that God's favor is on us. When we say that God is with us, it, it means God's hand 
God's power and all these are synonymous. They go together. I'm just trying to define it to help us understand. It means his favor is with us. It means God's smiling on us. It means God's smiling on your life. It means God's approval is on your marriage. It means God's favor and hand and, and smile is on our church or it's not on our church. It, it's, it's God's approval. Listen, if you have kids... You can say, this is my child, and I love them, and I'm never going to forsake them. But you, if you are a good parent, there are times when you've got to say, I don't approve of what's going on in their life, correct? And if your kids are adults, you say, you know, I'm going to love them, but I'm not going to throw them money. I'm not going to enable or empower that. I, I'm going to love them. I'm always going to be their parent, but my favor is not going to be on. This is exactly what this is saying here. That God's always going to be our daddy. God's always going to be with us. But when God is with us, it means God's smile and his approval and his favor is on us. How many of you think that's an awesome thing? You know, when we talk to each other, oftentimes we'll say to someone, I'm, going, I'm with you, brother. I'm with you, sister. And, and that can mean literally that I'm going to come with you and I'm going to back you up. But a lot of times it's figurative, isn't it? You know, they're going somewhere, they're moving to a new place. I'm praying for you, and I'm with you. That's symbolic, isn't it? I mean, it's sincere, it's not fake. But I want to tell you, when we say that God can be with us, we can't see him, but it's not figurative or symbolic, it's literal. It's the hand, the favor, and the power of God being with us. That's an awesome thing, isn't it? Okay, now here's the next thing. How do we get God to be with us? Now, I know that may not be the best grammar, but it's communicating exactly what I wanted it to communicate. If, how many of you would agree we need God with us? How many of you, man, I, you don't have to raise your hand. You want God's favor. If you don't want God's favor and hand on your life, honestly, I think you're lost. I think you're lost. I just think I, you don't get it because you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. Any saved person wants the favor of God on them. So how, how do we bring this about? How does this happen? I, listen, I believe God wants this to happen. How, what do we do? to cooperate with God. Number one, we got to know God's will. I, I think you have to understand what does God expect of me? What does God want of me? This is a, a little bit of a long passage, but it's important. Joshua 23, verse 3 through 8. Here's God giving them command. You yourself have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for you tribes all the land of the nations that remain. The nations I conquered between the Jordan and west of the, uh, the great sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will drive them out of your way. He will push them out before you. Now, you remember a lot of this didn't happen. And it wasn't because God wasn't willing. Just but keep that in mind. I will push them out before you, and you will take possession of the, their land, as the Lord your God promised you. Verse 6, be very strong. Be careful to obey all that's written in the book of the law of Moses. Without turning aside to the right or to the left, don't edit God. Do not take associates, uh, associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods. Or swear by them, you must not serve them or bow down to them. In verse 8, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. Listen, having God's favor, it, it begins, you need to know what God expects of you. 
That doesn't mean you have to be a great Bible scholar. It just means that you, you read your Bible, you study your Bible, you hear it preached, you hear it taught, and you know what God expects of you in a given situation. You know what God wants. You know what God's will is. You seek to discover what God wants. Number two, you surrender yourself completely to God and his will. It, it never stays academic. It always moves to what we do with our life. We surrender ourselves completely to God and his will. Let's go back in Joshua 23. Look in verse 6 again. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that's written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or the left. Let's look in verse 11. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. Is that it? That the complete verse? I think it is. Okay. Be very careful to love God completely and totally. Here's what he was telling them. You want my favor. You, you, you need to understand, and these all go together. It's not like they're separate steps. You need to understand what I want from you, and you need to surrender yourself completely to me. You, you need to be willing to do life my way. I need to have complete control of you. Listen, if you want to control things, God will let you. But if you control things, God's not going to control things. And if God's not controlling it, his favor won't be on it. Let, let me repeat that. If you want to control it, God will let you. But if you control it, God's not controlling it. Amen? So you're surrendering yourself completely to God and his will. This is the, uh, the second huge jump, big step in here. We think of surrender in a negative way because everything in life is surrender is negative. You're watching boxing or UFC. When someone surrenders, they quit. They give up. They lose. In war, when you surrender, you what? You lose. But, folks, the only way to win with God is by surrender. You ever thought about that? The only way to win with God is by surrender. And here's the last part of this. You do things God's way, 100%. I want to read this little verse one more time because I think it's so powerful. Verse 6 of 23 of Joshua, be very strong and be careful to obey all that is written in the law of the Lord. Folks, here's what God's saying here. I give you clear commands and directions on situations. I give you clear commands on how your family should be. I give you clear directions on how you should live as, as a person. I give you clear directions on how your church should be, how your ethics should be in your business. And if you want my favor on you, you don't pick and choose what you obey. Talked about that last week, editing God, right? Well, you know... I like this, and this makes sense, but that's, I don't think I'm going to do this, right? Okay, <laughs> you go ahead. If you want the favor of God, you've got to decide that you're going to do it God's way. A, a good way of understanding this, and it's not on the screen, but you can write this down. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, Do not quench the Spirit of God. Do not quench the Spirit of God. Now, that's talking to a Christian who has the Spirit. And, and I liken it to this. I, as a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. The question is, how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? 
And many of us quench the Spirit. We've got the Holy Spirit bottled up in our big toe. We've got him, but we've got him quenched and contained. It's like taking that water hose, turning it on full blast, and then driving your car and sitting it on top of the hose. You're not going to get a lot of water out of it, aren't you? You've got to get the ho- car off of it. You've got to unquench the hose. You've got to let the Holy Spirit out of your big toe. And the only way you do that is you decide you're going to live life and do life God's way. Here's the third thing. I just want to be honest with you. This is hard. This is hard. I'll say this again in a minute. Most churches today don't have the favor of God on them. Most Christians don't. By the looks of families in our world today, I would say most families don't. You know why? It's just hard. I mean, this is, this is not easy stuff. Judges 1, 19, the Lord was with, a, excuse me, I, I must have jumped ahead. Let's go, maybe that is, yeah, the, the, the Lord was with the men of Judah. They took possession of the hill country, but they were unable to drive the people out. Okay, the first part of it, we saw the favor of God. God was with them. But I want to go back to Judges 23, 6 one more time, last time. Be strong and careful. God wants to be with you, but I think he's acknowledging this is not easy. How many of you would agree that it's easier to gain weight than lose weight? If you disagree, we need to talk. You need to write a book. You'll be very wealthy. Because gaining weight is short-term, isn't it? Losing weight's long-term. Losing weight's hard. Gaining weight's easy, and it's fun. Living for God is not brutal and monistic, but it's, it's the harder route. Write this verse down, 1 Timothy 4, 7 It says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. To have the favor of God on your life, on our church, on our world is not easy. It's not easy. It's long-term thinking. You get that? Diet is long-term thinking, isn't it? Twinkie tonight, feel good, get a sugar rush, guilty in the morning, Pants tighter in the morning. No to the Twinkie tonight. You're proud in the morning. It's long-term thinking, isn't it? To have the favor of God is long-term thinking. It's thinking I'm going to put my current easy decisions and I'm going to make hard decisions. It's a church saying we can go the route we've always been or the route that's easier or common or we can take a long-term picture it's it's you raising your family saying i'm going to make choices that are way different than the world and take some flack for it now and benefit later or i'm going to take some shortcuts and easy cuts and pay the price with my family later it's 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 hard it really is hard but i want to tell you the last big point this evening God being with us is the key to true success. If you're taking notes, you might even change this to say God being with us is the, is the only key to success. In John 15, Jesus said, uh, 
The only way you're going to bear fruit, you can do what without me? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. This is the only way to success. Joshua 23, I'm going to read several scriptures here. It's verse 9 and 10. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand. Why? Read that with me. Because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. They were having great success. The literal, literal picture of one person defeating a thousand. Why? Because God was with them. Now let's look in Judges and kind of walk through quickly. Starting in verse 8 through 10. The men of Judah attacked Jerusalem also and they took it. They put the city to the sword and set it on fire. After that, the men of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites living in the hill country in the Negev and the western foothills. They advanced to get the Canaanites living in Hebron, formerly called Kerith Arba, and defeated Shisha, Ahamon, and Talamai. Why did they have such success? God was with them. Let's, get, let's jump down to verses 17 through 19. The men of Judah went with the Semonites, their brothers, and attacked the Canaanites living in Zephyr. And they totally destroyed the city. Remember, this is righteous war. This was, they were fighting evil people. And they destroyed the city. Therefore, it was called Hermah. The men of Judah also took Gaza, Ashkelon, and Ekron. These were key Philistine cities, and each city with its territory. And in verse 19, just the first of it here, the Lord was with the men of Judah. They had great success because God was with them. One more little section, verse 19, uh, 22 through 26. It says, now the house of Joseph attacked Bethel. That was an ancient city that was, that was very important to the Israelites. And what? The Lord was with them. When they sent men to spy out Bethel, formerly called Lust, the spy saw a man coming out of the city. They said to him, show us how to get in the city, and we will treat you well. So he showed them, and they put the city to the sword, but spared the man and his whole family. He then went to the land of the Hittites, where he built a city and called it Luz, which it is to name to this day. Man, listen, they had unbelievable success, didn't they? Unbelievable success. You know why they had unbelievable success? It wasn't because they were military geniuses. It wasn't necessarily because they were great warriors. They were good warriors, and they used their heads. But they had great, unbelievable success because God's hand and favor and power was upon them. You go home tonight, and you read Acts chapter 2, Acts 4, Acts 5, Acts 6. The church explodes. It explodes. Explodes. People are fighting against it. The, the religious people hate it. The, the people in, in Rome are terrified of it. And it's exploding. You know why it's exploding? Because God's favor and hand and power was with them. It's not a secret. It's difficult to obtain because we have to get out of the way. But their success was phenomenal because God was with them. Now, why today in America are 80 to 90% of churches plateaued or declining are dying. Why is that so? Let me tell you a couple of reasons. One, a lot of places there's too many churches. They just, you know, a, a city of 30,000 can't support 400 churches. Some of them eventually die. Some are in areas, you, you, you live in an area of the country where 50 years ago there was 5,000 people, now there's 1,000. Some of those churches aren't going to exist anymore, are they? Let me give you another reason. 
A lot of churches don't have the favor of God on them. I mean, they meet and they sing and they preach and they committee and they do meetings and they talk about God and God loves them, but God's not with them. Why do, why do 95% of people who profess to be Christians never win a person to Jesus Christ? I'm going to give you a hard answer. Either they're probably not saved and they just profess to be a Christian or they're living in such a way that God's not with them. God's power's not with them. Oh, man, let me throw this at you tonight. Let's do whatever it takes to have God with us. Let's do whatever it takes in your life personally because it always starts with you and in your family, in our community, and in our church. Let's do whatever we have to do so that God will be with us. I think I have a verse from Psalms this evening. Brian, do I have that? Uh, maybe not, but there's a verse in Psalms. Let me see. I've got it here in my notes, and I'll, I'll, you can look it up when you get home. It is Psalms th- uh, 1434. Psalms 1434 says this. It says that God, a righteous nation, I'm paraphrasing, God blesses. Folks, I believe God loves America, but I want to tell you, read Jewish history in the Old Testament. We move away from God. The favor of God's going to come off our hand. And who knows? It may be 10 years. It may be 100 years. This may be a mosque if we're not careful. We need the favor of God on us. We need to do anything we can, no matter how radical or crazy, to position our lives where the favor of God is on us. Let me tell you a story, and I'll close. 1996, I was pastor in a church in College Station, Texas. I'd been there right at four years, and I loved that church. That church was, was fun. Uh, we had very minimal problems in four years. We saw a lot of great things happen. A few months earlier, I had started dating this woman named Cindy who had these kids who were crazy but wonderful. But a church in Cisco, Texas had been contacting me for about eight or nine months. And I talked to him back about six months ago, and I really felt like God said, this isn't where I want you to go. I think it, now I realize it was a timing thing, and I told him no. They contacted me again. We went on for a couple of months, and I was really struggling because I really liked where I was. I liked this pretty blonde-haired girl. I like her little kids. My Rottweilers were happy there. Aggies are crazy, but they're wonderful, aren't they, Murphy? But God was saying, I want you to go to Cisco, Texas. And I want you to read this story, if you would, when you get home in Numbers 14. Numbers 14. I read this one evening in my quiet time. It's a story of the children of Israel when God was ready to lead them in the promised land and to lead them into great things. And they said, no. They said, no. They took a vote, and they said, we're not going to do it. And God said, okay, <laughs> guess what? All of you but a couple are going to die right here in the desert. You don't want to go in the promised land? You won't. Forty years, you're going to wander around here till you die. And then they said, oh, no, God, we want to do it now. We want to do it now. And God said, nope. And they said, no, but we're going to do it. So they got up a, far, a, a, a fighting party. They got together, and they went to go fight these people. And God said, you can go fight them, but I'm not going with you. And what happened? 
you know the story, they got routed. And God whispered in my ear that evening in that quiet time, and he said, Chris, if you want to stay here, you can. But I'm not going to be with you. And that's when I knew I had to do whatever it took to be in God's will. And eventually took the wife and the two little kids with me. But I'm telling you this because I've been there. I'm there right here, right now in my life just like you are. And I want to challenge you to do whatever you need to do to make sure you're in a place where God's going to be with you. If you're not a Christian, it all begins when you give your life to Christ. When we stand in a moment, I want you to come and give your life to Christ. If you need a church home, we would love for you to join our church this evening, and you can do that when we stand. Christian, if God being with this church depended on you, would it be happening? Is it more important you get your way or that God gets his way here? What about in your family? Is it more important that you run things or that God run things? What about in your life? Who's the king of your life? You or Jesus? If you want God's favor, you need to surrender everything to let him be your king. Let's stand and let's come now. God leads us.